Welcome to Hallowed to Hallowed Ground, the 1999 Pecos Repatriation, brought to you by Pecos National Historical Park and KSFR Public Radio. This podcast was created in cooperation with and has been approved by the Pueblo of Jemez Tribal Administration. This is the story of one of the largest repatriations of excavated Native American individuals and funerary objects since the 1990 passage of the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act. The Hundred Year Saga is a story of loss, cooperation, and hope. These episodes were created using excerpts from interviews conducted with those who played a role in the 1999 repatriation, including members of the Pueblo of Jemez, the Andover Peabody, Harvard Peabody, and Pecos National Historical Park. Throughout Hollowed to Hallowed Ground, we rely on oral histories passed down over generations, written historical sources, as well as archaeological findings to tell the story. In this episode, we'll explore the repatriation itself. Momentum for the 1999 repatriation had been building ever since the 1990 passage of NAGPRA. Consultations between the Pueblo of Jemez, the Harvard Peabody, Andover Peabody, and Pecos National Historical Park had lasted years, and relationships had been built over that time. The end goal of all parties was for the individuals and funerary objects to be repatriated to the Pueblo of Jemez, and for the individuals to be reburied in the same area they had been taken from. That meant inside the boundaries of Pecos National Historical Park. Bringing this event to fruition involved a lot of planning and coordination for all involved parties. In mid-May of 1999, representatives from the Pueblo of Jemez flew to Massachusetts to prepare the individuals and associated funerary objects for transport back to New Mexico and to participate in formal repatriation ceremonies at both the Andover Peabody and Harvard Peabody. The formal repatriation events legally transferred ownership of the individuals and funerary objects from the institutions to the Pueblo of Jemez. It was the beginning of an emotional homecoming. Among the representatives was Joshua Madalena, who was a special research assistant with the Pueblo of Jemez Department of Resource Protection at the time. We went there just to do the inspections, went to the visit, you know, did our prayers, paid our respects, you know, made our apologies that it took this long for us to come back and get them, to return them home. And uh, it was very emotional. You know, I still get emotional now. You know, it's really, it was really sad. It is sad to have your ancestors, you know, exhumed, you know, and just like that, that they were treated like, you know, they were humans. They were treated like animals. And we, like I said, we paid our respects and we you know, provided them offerings to eat because I'm sure they hadn't eaten for a long time, traditionally, because mm-hmm. they had been just stuck in boxes all this time. So, you know, so we sp- spent a lot of time with the ancestors and just, just trying to make that connection, 
just trying to just feel you, just, you know you just had to feel and uh, Ruben and I are we're religious leaders uh, we're medicinal religious leaders so definitely we understood you know because somebody in our position had already sent them to heaven we call heaven but we call it and close those doors that you will never return or your 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 body will forever be a soul and go to heaven as you understand it uh, so here they are in one and uh, non-ending comes and takes them out of their their resting place where they were meant to be forever so so you know we just try to make a sense of this you know and try to so after you know maybe some time kind of felt you know okay we'll leave them for tonight they know we're here they know what they're going home so they're happy they're they're excited they're laughing and they're singing and so we know we know so come back tomorrow and so next day is when the rest of the elders would come in and so we had all this whole public event uh, that was uh, on schedule the Jemez representatives also attended the formal repatriation events at the Harvard Peabody and Andover Peabody. Patricia Capone, the current director of NAGPRA and a museum curator at the Harvard Peabody, was a curatorial assistant working on the repatriation in 1999 and recalled for us the repatriation ceremony at Harvard, which occurred on May 17, 1999. The uh, respective Governors and lieutenant governors were present, um, and the director of the museum at the time. Um, there were photographs, and uh, words were exchanged, and uh, very similar to um, the tone that Michelle just set. Uh, one that uh, of gratitude for the relationship that had been. Um, cultivated through this experience and through NAGPRA and the prospect of um, carrying forward some of what had been learned through this, but um, as well as supporting the Pueblo's goals for uh, care and handling and reinterment after. Jim Bradley the director of the Andover Peabody at the time attended the event at Andover on May 20th, 1999, and recalled it for us. Uh, the repatriation at Andover was, well, sort of like any event at a somewhat stuffy uh, private school in New England. You know, people wore nice clothes, although I must say the guys from Hamas had much better clothes than we did. Following the formal repatriations, the Jemez representatives went to Harvard to oversee the loading of the Pecos individuals and other items for their transport back to New Mexico. There were so many individuals and funerary objects, nearly 2,000 individuals and more than 1,000 funerary objects, that a semi-truck had to be used. Raymond Gachupin, Jemez governor in 1999 remembers the logistical and financial challenges of such an undertaking. And we actually also uh, witnessed and, and, and stood there and watched all the uh, boxes being loaded into the semi-truck that we uh, 
that we had uh, leased. Um, and again, that's a whole, that's part of the planning was that perhaps I didn't talk about a little bit earlier was that we also had to plan the actual transport. Mm -hmm. So, and how we accomplished that was uh, we had, uh, and again, I don't know how many times I'm going to mention Bill Watley, but he again also uh, uh, organized all of that. And uh, Bill was a very out of the box thinker type person, you know, so he said, well, I think we can find a way to because we didn't have the money, you know, we're, we're a very poor tribe. We just didn't have the funds, you know, how we're going to transport it because it was going to, it was like 50 some thousand dollars it was going to cost to transport the, the remains. And we had to, uh, we had to rent a big semi-truck. So Bill came up with the idea that, well, we have contractors that we work with. Maybe they can do a little bit of a donation here, you know. And so we contacted them and sure enough, they were more than happy and they, I believe they picked up about two-thirds of the cost. So the wow. tribe only had to uh, do uh, like a third of the cost. Mm -hmm. uh, it, was, it was a construction company, and I really think uh, they deserve a shout-out. But, I mean, unfortunately, I just can't remember the name of the company at this point. But they were Native, Native American-owned construction company that had done some work with the tribes. And so we kind of reached out to them to see if they could help with the cost of the transport as well. Mm -hmm. So that's how we ended up uh, paying for the transport. The Pueblo of Jemez sent representatives along to supervise the transport back to New Mexico in a van that would follow the semi-truck. One of those representatives was their head fiscale that year, Michael Loretto. At Jemez Pueblo, the fiscale is an important cultural and religious position whose duties include the handling and burial of the dead. Michael recalled the trip from Massachusetts to New Mexico for us. I was involved with a lot of... Uh supervision here in the Pueblo. What we did was uh, we loaded them up in the semi, and there was a, I think it was uh, Mr. Watley and a few other guys, we we traveled in the van. We, uh, Mr. Watley hooked up the radios with the semi so we can communicate as we're coming. We escorted the van all the way back to New Mexico back in uh, Santa Fe, that's where we spent the night. Mm -hmm. So I had, we had to spend the night outside the, mm -hmm. by the sea mm -hmm. just to make sure nobody comes around or nobody disturbs anything. And then uh, that's, that's what happened. We escorted the van mm -hmm. back. So I, there's a, it was a long travel. A lot of, the only place we could stop was the truck stops. The van and the truck, loaded with the individuals and artifacts, traveled more than 2,000 miles for two days straight. They did not stop for rest until they reached the Santa Fe Indian School the day before the reburial event, and they spent the night there. Meanwhile, back in New Mexico, the tribe and local communities had been busily planning. Raymond Gachapin, the Jemez governor in 1999, recalled for us the initial great excitement in the community. Once we knew that we were going to be going through with this uh, repatriation, I mean, all the, the stars have lined up and we're going to be going through with it, uh, we called a community meeting at the what we refer to as our civic center here. Uh, and we had a overflow of people there, very enthused, excited. And at that point, you know, we, you know well, well they've been kept informed through our newsletter as well, you know, what was going on. So uh, we had a lot of turnout because there was 
they just wanted to be involved. So at that point, a lot of people started planning and saying, well, we'll do this, we'll do that. Among other things, the Pueblo of Jemez decided to retrace the 106-mile route between Pecos Pueblo and Jemez Pueblo that the ancestors had originally taken in 1838, when the last Pecos people left the Pecos Valley and joined the Pueblo of Jemez. Their goal was to end up in Pecos at the same time as the semi-truck in order to accompany their ancestors to the park. It took three days to walk to Pecos. Jemez Governor Raymond Gachupin shared with us. So a lot of our tribal members uh, retraced the route that our Pecos ancestors took, the 35 or so that were still alive and remaining from any kind of uh, potential uh, loss of life that they were experiencing in Pecos back in the 1830s or so. And that group that migrated across the mountains, uh, we retraced their, their, uh, their route, and quite a few people uh, took that route, took three days to do the route from Hamas. And thank God we had people like Kochiri who hosted them overnight, and then up to Santa Fe Indian School where they hosted them there for another night, and then the third day they reached the destination there in Pecos. So that was, uh, that was how the community got involved and through that uh, uh, particular planning and involvement and actual participation. Jemez tribal member George Toya helped organize the 106-mile journey. He remembers how much community support and coordination was required to make this journey a success. The preparation made by the tribal members back home involved uh, planning the walk back to Pecos, uh, getting the tribal members to Pecos, uh, the food pre uh, preparation, transportation, and and uh, and then uh, connecting with the people along the way, like in Cochidi and, and Santa Fe at the Indian School, where the walkers were uh, were being uh, put up for the night, and and then just feeding all those people. You know that that was a lot, and and uh, and so you know there was donations from. Uh, from people, from tribal members, from from anybody, you know, there was other people from the town of Pecos that uh, that prepared a lot of food, and and uh, they uh, they were real accommodating too. They they offered their uh, places for people to stay, and and uh, and uh, they brought water and all kinds of things like that, you know. So uh, there was there was so many people involved with the with with the repa repatriation itself, you know, along with. Um, uh, the staff at the at the at the at the monument and 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 just just everybody wanted to help you know it, it was it was pretty good you know it was a um, I, I had uh, uh, people from Cochiti call me and asked if uh, if they could uh, uh, donate you know they didn't have uh, uh, much to give but they 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 said they would they would uh, bake stuff and and help feed the people and so yeah it was real community effort and, uh, and a lot of the other uh, uh, pueblos that when they heard that uh, this was happening they were they were really supportive and, and uh, so it was it was pretty good I got to meet a lot of different people that would I would never have met you know mm -hmm. meanwhile at Pecos National Historical Park the preparations for hosting a reburial event began by identifying a suitable grave site that would be large enough to accommodate the 2,000 individuals. It would need to be private, closed to the public, 
and would require heavy machinery to dig a trench six feet deep. The park also had to choose a spot close to the Pueblo, but where they were unlikely to disturb any other burials. Judy Reed, the cultural resource manager at Pecos National Historical Park in 1999, recalls for us. Planning, just before the reburial, planning kind of centered around two different um, things. One was getting a burial site identified and ready, and the other was administrative, you know, fixing uh, the park with the amenities needed to have such an event there. So we um, got information from the Pueblo of Jemez that how they wanted their um, grave site to, not to look, but to um, the dimensions of it. So we used those parameters and um, dug a grave. What was interesting about that is that it's a very, very big grave. And we had um, a volunteer that worked with us two volunteers, actually. He was a pilot and the other a photographer. And they went up in an airplane after the the grave was dug. And they took some overhead um, shots of it close, so you can't tell where it is. But they took some overhead shots of it. And when the pictures were developed, it came back as a big W, sort of like the Walgreens W. It looked like that. And and interestingly huh. enough, the Hamas, they call themselves, I believe, Walatoa tribe. And so it was, it was, it was we didn't do that intentionally at all, but it, <laughs> it came back that way. And we thought, oh, this is a, a sign. This is a good <laughs> sign. On May 22, 1999, Jemez tribal members, members of other tribal nations who had connections to Pecos, political representatives, staff from the National Historical Park, staff from the Peabody at Andover, the Peabody at Harvard, and the Maxwell Museum all gathered at the park for the reburial. The park remained closed to the public through the morning while the reburial and celebration took place. People began arriving before daybreak to prepare. A stage was erected for prayers and speeches. Pueblo women arrived and began cooking for the celebration following the reburial. 1999 Pueblo of Jemez war captain David Yepa recounts. We stopped at Santa Fe and we spent our night in Santa Fe. The next morning we went to Pecos. Mm-hmm. And then when we were at the Pecos, uh, people here in Jemez were informed they told all the village people who are want to go to the funeral, they can't go. Nah, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. from here that attended. Uh, we had a like a funeral, the procession like march. Mm-hmm. We were behind the trucks. Well, the people, all the people were following behind the trucks. Mm-hmm. Then we got to the burial ground. And, that's what happened. They unload all the people and they brought buried them. 
that part we didn't see it. Mm -hmm. But but uh, then we move out of that. Mm -hmm. But then we pray. We pray for all the dead people and all that we pray to. It was very sad because uh, they, they've been there how long? We don't know. They need to go home and probably their grandma, their mom and dad waiting for them in another spirit world. Mm -hmm. So they, it took them that long to uh, to be finding a way to get to heaven or wherever they went. Mm -hmm. So we have we have a lot of doings in our own way, our traditional way of doing, mm -hmm. so that they can go find a straight good road to get to heaven or spirit world. So that's what happened. Mm -hmm. That was a war chief, war chief duty to keeping the people in there. The most important part of the day was the reburial of the ancestors. George Toya, Hema's tribal member, recalls helping unload the individuals from the semi-truck at the park. I was in the truck, and everything was loaded in, in these boxes, you know. There were small boxes like this, and so I got in the truck, and then my, my, my two other brothers, my brother Mike and my brother Suwami, were, were next to me. So we started opening the boxes, you know, uh, and then handing them down. It was like a bucket brigade all the way down to the the gravesite and we started uh, unloading them and and then uh, and it was just and it, it wouldn't stop you know we pull one and then then there was more and then more and more and then just layer after layer you know and it was uh it's pretty incredible and uh, so once we once we got all once everything was done once all the uh, uh, once all the bodies were placed and and covered you know and we and we went back to the went back to the the monument, uh, back to the gravesite, and and everybody had gathered. Then uh, there was a, a huge storm that happened, like a big. It, was, it got really cloudy, and then a big wind came, and that was as soon as the burial was over, and 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 everybody's holding on to there, and this big wind comes through, and and uh, and then it then it left, and then. Then the sun came out again, and it was just a nice, calm day. And that was what I remember the most. David Yepa, the war captain for the Pueblo of Jemez in 1999, served as the master of ceremonies for the prayers and speeches following the burial. I asked him what stood out to him the most from that day. The hurt of the most probably uh, uh, the Kibbe Sadness that happened because you see everybody crying in that moment. Mm -hmm. But after that, uh, everybody started talking again, back to normal. After we pray and everything, mm -hmm. a lot of people go to different places, you know, to uh, to go eat or spend a little time. Mm -hmm. One of the speakers that day was the governor of Jemez Pueblo, Raymond Gachupin. He recalls for us the celebration that followed. The burial, uh, after the burial, I mean, there was a, 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 you know, there was a course of sadness, you know, and both mixed sadness and very happiness, a jubilant. 
Uh, afterwards, uh, you know, we, of course, people were fed. Thank God again for all of the community members that did a lot of the cooking. So uh, there were uh, uh, lots of food and then uh, there were some, uh, there were a few speeches. I had, a, had an opportunity addressed to, to the crowd as well. And uh, the weather was beautiful. I mean, it just seemed like even, even our spirits, all just you could just feel a sense of spiritual uh, vibrancy around the area there. You know, it was just really uh, so pleasant. Um, even there, I, I remember there was almost like a little slight whirlwind. You know, just kind of whirling around, like a, like for like almost being, thank God we're home. <laughs> You know that 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 type of a feeling. It was uh, sad, also, but very, very joyful. Very joyful. I mean, just to see my tribal members just being emotional and being very uh, uh, upbeat and happy, and uh, to see that uh, uh, many of our ancestors and and again, some of those ancestors may have been either they may have been Comanche, but at that point, you know, we just wanted them home where they were they were dug up with where they were laying in peace. Uh, but it was a very beautiful, jubilant day. Very nice, pleasant. Joshua Madalena, the special research assistant who planned the repatriation and now serves as a tribal councilman, also recalled his strongest memory from the reburial day at Pecos. For me, mm-hmm. is when all the ancestors, you know, we took them out of the boxes, and I stood there watching over the ancestors and asked them to bless us, you know, to continue to strive and move forward to sustain our Pecos Pueblo and our sister, Amos Pueblo, and for us to continue to move forward in what's in the best interest. So, you know, it, it, it was, it was, I mean, to stand there before your ancestors that had been dug up 70 years before, you know, it was really sad. And, um, I mean, I do at that time, you know, and I do today, that they were returned back to their families, you know, and that they are there in spirit, in, in, in as our own gods, protecting us, blessing us, providing us sustenance and providing us sustainability for us to continue to strive to the future in what's in the best interest of our children and those children that are still yet to be born. So it was a great feeling. It was a great feeling. Sad feeling too, but it was a great feeling. It was a great moment. It was a great moment. Yeah. You know, so... You know, I, you know, that whole Pecos repatriation, the reburial, to me it kind of happened like it happened yesterday. You know, a lot of it is just still here in my mind. Never forgot, never forgot some of the ancestors and how they looked at me back. And as I, as I watched them, as I looked at them with their eyes open and even the little ones, you know. You know, I just, you know, I, I know atrocities happen throughout the world, but. It happened to us. It happened here at home. Something that, you know, yeah, it can be forgiven. We can forgive, but, you know, get her really damaged, you know, 
us emotionally, physically, you know, psychologically. He really did. Even till today, I feel that because of what Kidder did a very long time ago. And I have never met this man before. I would consider him not a man because he did what he did that was inhumane. Yeah, so, yes, I'm sure, you know, he's paying his debts wherever, wherever he is, you know, but that's that. Today we live, you know, yes, we as Native Americans are always very forgiving. We are. But, you know, we are human beings too. You know, we feel, we feel pain, we feel emotions, we cry, we laugh. That's something that still we need to continue to stress to the world out there. Today, the location of the reburial site within Pecos National Historical Park is unmarked and not shared with the public. 1999 Jemez Governor Raymond Gachupin explains that decision. I think that there's always uh, very curious people out there that are always going to want to start and out of fear of people that are very... Uh, uncouth people that just simply don't uh, care. I mean, you know, they can start digging again. You know, I think for protection, mm -hmm. just like what the act says, the great protection. Mm -hmm. For the protection of our, so that they don't get dug up for the second time. You know, I think that's just probably the simplest way to put it. Chief of Resource Stewardship at Pecos National Historical Park, Jeremy Moss, describes how the park protects the site today. Uh, we manage it as a protected archaeological site, pretty similar to how we manage or protect other archaeological sites within the backcountry that aren't open to visitors. Uh, we've also been asked by the Pueblo of Jemez to uh, let them know if anyone comes and wants to request a visitation of the site. We do get Jemez tribal members and some other tribal members who come and want to do prayers and blessings there. We've been asked to contact the Pueblo of Jemez and get permission from the governor of the Pueblo of Jemez before we allow those individuals to visit the site. Sometime a Park Service representative or a tribal liaison might accompany them to the site um, just to make sure you know, if the site's being protected. Uh, but we really haven't had much issues since the reburial with trespass. We do have law enforcement that also does periodic uh, patrolling of the area and, and looks for evidence of trespass or people going there that aren't supposed to. Thank you for joining us for Hollowed to Hallowed Ground, the 1999 Pecos Repatriation. Some Native American groups call NAGPRA civil rights legislation because it has given them equal rights in regards to the treatment of their dead. However, across the world, there are still Native American individuals or burials, funerary objects, sacred objects, and objects of cultural patrimony in museum collections. NAGPRA does not address the many individuals and objects held in private collections here in the United States or abroad. In that regard, NAGPRA remains a controversial law for not going far enough in its scope. When approximately 2,000 individuals and more than 1,000 funerary objects were repatriated to the Pueblo of Jemez in May of 1999, it became one of the largest repatriations in United States history.
For the Pueblo of Jemez, Nagpa provided the legal framework to right a historic wrong and bring their ancestors home. It also helped to build and strengthen partnerships that continue to exist today between the institutions involved and tribal partners. Pecos National Historical Park recognizes that repatriation is a painful and difficult topic for Native Americans, and we thank the Pueblo of Jemez for their participation in support of this project. Today we recognize and appreciate the partnership we have with the Pueblo and the role that the 1999 repatriation played in strengthening that bond. We close for a final time with Second Lieutenant Governor of Jemez Pueblo, Kurt Mora. Hello again, my name is Kurt Mora, the 2021 Second Lieutenant Governor for the Pueblo of Jemez. On behalf of the Pueblo of Jemez, I would like to thank Pecos National Historical Park in their coordination of this podcast series, as well as other entities involved with this series. I would also like to thank those community members who were selected to provide their perspectives and involvement with the Pecos repatriation. It is our hope that this podcast series provides insight into how the Pecos repatriation transpired through its completion and how we can all work together as people to remember and respect the past so the future can have the resources resources and knowledge to continue to remain strong. As traditional practice, this podcast opened with a prayer and will now close with a prayer so our Pecos people and all their belongings may rest in peace and continue to provide us guidance and strength. Adonik Dabushitoi, Tabashize, Tabadabo, Wikishimile, Hashukimamile, Hakudabo, Hokolashuna, Dabu, Homo, Ogin, War, on the Quaki Hontakian, Dabo, Akita, Tawigi, Tagitolo, Taba, O Quay, the Tonchi, eh, Kilikutai, Leon, eh, Tabivo, eh, Dabo Quaki, Kawin, O Wigitan, Hopon, Wa, eh, Taki, Kihusen, Dabo, Taba, Tamu, eh, eh, not to Ke ke awina aku wigitan dabo otoyo zekin wigitan dahime itawitan o wigitan dabo op akita wigitagitolo o hoji otao ke do tabatu yikalna wigitan kwakan pikinna dabo kwakan hanteo nunda hampela nunda honopuna kwidabo o onda pikita honchinda watan ke hampa enonseo Oakita, Novaki by my air, Tabamis, my air. He no say a mean. A quidabo, a colossal, a dabo, backy, wicked ten. No more quit than Satan, Atten, Tabafuna, that and quarky massa, he no say, Toyo, Zakin, wicked eh, Zian, away, eh, how they mean so. A quernutunda, wicked ten, no more quit than Satan, Atten, quarky massa, Tabado, quarky, I did kid ill on back, the bonopper.